Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the week one episode of the Gilcast. You're on the Roto-Grinders Network. I'm Sammy Reed, and I'm joined by my two fishy friends, Josh ADHD and Nate Noling. Boys, what's up? How you doing, Nate? I am a little, little tilted after the Bears game. That was a demoralizing, demoralizing second half. I can't imagine being more elated than I was after that first half. Uh, Khalil Mack just took the soul of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, every move was dominant. I was on cloud nine, and my soul was ripped from my innards. How was, the, how was that ride home with your girlfriend? Like, what was that like? <laughs> it was dead silent. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I, I legit got in a fight with my wife after the Steelers died this morning. <laughs> she came down and she's like, what do you want for lunch? And I'm like, why are you asking me for lunch? <laughs> oh, Josh, what's up, dude? How, how was your day today? It sounded like you wanted a W for lunch and you didn't get to eat one. No, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I, I I ate something completely bland and awful. Like it was like not 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 eating. It was not eating something good. It was just like yeah, eating your sister's tongue basically. So do you have like that Mike Tomlin look on your face whenever the Steelers are laying a giant ass egg on the road in an early kick? Oh, uh, where, where like my my bottom lip jokes out a little bit, and I'm just like mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of mugging. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do that. All right, so, sorry. I, I, enough nut kicking aside. I, I'm good, man. Things are good. I had a I had a pretty good day. I didn't get to watch a lot of football. I'll catch up on Game Pass, you know, starting tomorrow. And I did pretty good for you know flopping around on the deck like a fish all afternoon. And we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So I survived, baby. That's, week that's one good. Is week, week one is all about survival. If you are new to this podcast, uh, basically what we do is we get together. And we review our lineups for this weekend, and we make fun of uh, ourselves and each other for all the terrible decisions that were made. Week one, I, you know, you really just want to lose your hat. You don't want to lose your hat because it's a really interesting dynamic where pricing has been out for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, but then so much stuff changes since that pricing comes out. And so it creates all these like really weird dynamics where you're like kind of forced into some plays, but... At the same time, you're not sure if they'll work out because we actually don't know what's going to happen. You just have a bunch of idiots on Twitter talking about snap counts in the preseason, stuff like that, which means, you know, pretty much nothing. Even that's like really bad data. So, uh, so here we go. So, Nate, 
how did you do in cash, mate? Tell me, tell me what your lineup did. Um, I actually had a pretty solid day in cash uh, for week one overall. So I put up a, I had two fifty nine point uh, three eight in cash um, on DraftKings. Fitz Magic for the win. Oh my god! Fitz Magic for the win. Oh my god! I'm so I'm so tilted about this. This if only thing. if only all of the listeners could see the text thread that we had going this morning. <laughs> Where you tried to ridicule me to no end through playing Fitz. I mean, how, like it sounds so bad right now, like saying it's a bad play because all the. Sammy, produce- I just want to. I just want to tell you something. Five thousand dollars, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, four hundred and seventeen oh. passing yards, thirty-six rushing yards with a three hundred plus yard bonus. How does that sound for five thousand dollars? I mean, my my face hurts from Fitzmagic thrusting into it all day long. I can't believe he did this. Like, the, the New Orleans defense is supposed to be good. They were good last year. He's, like, the biggest road underdog of the week. How did this happen? I just I, – I just I'm, – I'm at a loss. And the projection systems liked him, too. It wasn't like, you know, this was out of nowhere. Honestly, the only region projection systems liked him is just because there was volume in his projected to be throwing. Yeah, but and volume is not that important for quarterbacks. But at 5K, when you're going to have a QB like this, like Fitz, who, who, who's able to do that, he does have some targets. That team actually, I mean, we saw it with Godwin. We saw it with Evans. There is some, I don't know, there's some reasons to like that Tampa Bay team. Um, I liked Fitz at his price this week. It was obviously nobody was able to project this. This was obviously in his top point zero 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 one percentile outcome for him. But oh my god, it, uh, you can't imagine the tilt that I felt. Like I have like New Orleans in my like survivor pool. I have them in my Pickums league. I, you know, I'm making fun of you for playing Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Davis, Davis swapped. What did he swap? He swapped Fitzpatrick and Sanders for for Dalton and Amendola. Dalton and Amendola. <laughs> Where is Davis, Davis made, right now? Davis Where made is? the worst swap of the week by far. Of oh, any, he's flying you, to Canada. I hope to he, he is. avoid yeah. extradition because yeah. that's that's bad, bro. <laughs> it was so it, egregious. <laughs> I think Davis is broke, and he's just like. <laughs> and like, I, I, I wish he was here to acquit himself. I want to hear the process behind moving from Sanders to Amendola. No, Davis doesn't have internet anymore. He's like off Xfinity, and he has to get like AT and T now. If you guys have seen that Office episode where Michael runs out and sits on the train and just goes, "I don't know where it's going," that's basically what Davis did. He went to. <laughs> airport found a cheap flight and just said i don't know where it's going but i gotta get off <laughs> that's a messed up way to get internet man but whatever works unreal josh how how is your day in cash mate yeah dave was pretty good i survived uh not rostering anybody from pittsburgh or anybody from tampa bay and <laughs> things worked out I, I i pretty much had the nuts at wide receiver and slotted a wide receiver in at my flex so i hit 100 percent of my cash games is it okay we're pretty so, happy with it. So what was what was the score? All right, so I had 208.86 today with no with no Connor and no Tampa. Oh my god. It, Josh, if I had okay. played if you I had played to... you heads up and you would beat me, like I'm looking through my head to heads and I'm like, dude, this guy took me down. He didn't even play James Connor. You can't even imagine like how flipped out I'd be right now. 
See, okay, that's part well, of the reason why I don't play the chalk like that. To tilt people. We need people. to talk about the Connor. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get the Connor thing. How could – like, tell me the process that you were going okay, to – Okay, so my, my process was that I was locked in on James White all week. I thought James White, for PPR stuff, what we're talking about here, I thought James White was the better play. And once I saw the weather in Cleveland – Wait, 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 wait. Hold wait, on. Like, straight up? No, I didn't like him better than Connor straight up. So I just thought, let me quit myself here. All I'm right, going through right. the process. Go ahead. So let's, let's once, the I saw the, once I saw the weather report this morning where I saw a gust in the 30s, I decided to get out of that game completely because I, I just thought it would be a disaster. And it could be a disaster either way. And obviously, Connor smashed. At 4,200, he absolutely smashed. And I, I'm still okay with my process to get out of that. I really am because I thought James White was just fine. Now, James White's not going to see the volume that Connor's going to see. But I also thought there was an outside chance that Connor would split the load a little bit with Jalen Samuel or with somebody else. So, you know, I bet I screwed up. I got kills. You know, like I said, I survived. I I made a bad decision and I survived. You have one single orifice called a (laughs) cloaca. Cloaca, cloaca. Come on, man. And that's how you excrete and mate all at once. I mean, anytime you can roster like a third down back who like is in a like three back rotation over like the most fantasy friendly spot you can get, you know, against the Cleveland Browns, you just got to do it. I understand. Wait, all right. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about this. Why are the Cleveland Browns a target for running backs? I want to hear this story because I don't think they are. What do you mean? They were there. They're, they're, Greg Williams is their defensive coordinator. That doesn't mean they're a bad run defense, though. Okay, regardless, this is missing, this is missing the force. It's missing the, the, volume, the, the, day, the volume point. You have a $4,500 running back who you know is going to see, like, minimum 60% you know, rushing attempt share. And oh, 80, on 80 top, yeah, I'm saying minimum 60. You could safely project 80% um, you know, with all of the passing work that White is going to have. So I, I don't know. I, I just – and I like White. From an efficiency standpoint, I love White. From a receiving upside perspective, I love White. He's obviously got more talent than Connor. But, but, uh, the, other, but the other thing like is, like, offense. New England was a giant favorite, and that doesn't play into White's hands that well. Like, I know they're short on receivers, et cetera, but, like, if they blow out uh, Houston, which, I mean, they didn't, like, blow him out, but, like, that doesn't lead to White being on the field all that much. Like, I saw – I, I'll argue the favorite thing a little bit. Like, obviously, they were, what, a six-and-a-half-point favorite? Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. fine. But I thought that game had a chance for both teams to get into the 30s, like it did last time. I thought both of those offenses could run up and down the field. And if both offenses are running up and down the field, James White's going to be utilized heavily. So if I talk about that kind of game script, and I talk obviously talk myself into that kind of game script, then you could almost, and I'm going to say this, almost make – a point that he's better than Connor. Now, you guys have the right point. Connor gets all the volume, and you chase volume at running back when it's forty two hundred dollars. So I fully admit it was a bad choice. Yeah, I mean we ended up him. we ended up with like thirty six touches for Connor and like nine yeah, I mean he he life. crushed, dude. He absolutely crushed. And next week when he's sixty two hundred dollars or whatever they ends up being, you know, it, it, you're gonna have to make a choice whether he's worth playing at that point or not and go looking for, for value elsewhere. So, yeah, I screwed that up. I got saved by my wide receiver choices. Well, There's no I doubt just, about it. If I there mean, was a pivot off of, 
off of Connor for his price tag, I think I would have looked at potentially, potentially like a Freeman for Denver at 4,500. Similar price tag, and I thought, you know, could project similar volume. But um, yeah, that didn't happen. I just, yeah, it didn't happen. But yeah. I mean, he, I would, that would have been a, a play that I wouldn't have thought was, I mean, he did get 15 rushing attempts, you know, but. Well, it, this is, this is really dismaying to me, gentlemen, because I am the low man here somehow, some way at 192.72 points in cash. I'm like significantly less than both of you. Like Nate almost, I mean, it feels like you doubled my score. How did this even happen? Fitz magic. Son Fitz of a magic, bitch. Kenny Stills. I mean, the Kenny Stills thing. Like, oh, that's that's hot. Spend it. That was like oh, that's, like oh, the late the late game early hammer. Like <laughs> that's, the the early game hammer is basically what it was. That was solid. Yeah, at halftime in the first in the at the first games, it was like every one of those guys that you know was above what I had projected them for already. So yeah, okay, so you had Fitz magic. Did did you play Fitz magic, Josh? Is this no, I did not. I played Keenum. Oh, really? I did. Okay. okay. So let's just walk through our lineups real quick. I'll just read mine. I had Fitz, Kamara, uh, Connor, Michael Thomas, Kenny Stills, Keenan Cole, uh, Gronk, McCaffrey, and then the Patriots D. I mean, you and I were, were fairly close. Josh, uh, what, was, what was yours? Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be off the radar for you guys for sure. So I had Keenum at quarterback. who went with Elliott and James White at running back. Uh, wide receivers were Keenan Allen, Manny Sanders, Michael Thomas. I flexed A.J. Green. I ran uh, Jack Doyle at tight end, and then I had Brown's defense. No, I, I think your receivers are definitely, like, probably the sharp ones. I, I, I think all of those guys I liked. I think Keenan yeah. would be the one that I probably would have been the most scared of. But I think A.J., I mean – yeah, Emmanuel Sanders was somebody I wanted to get in all day. I just couldn't make it work for him. Price how time. much? How much was Elliot? Because Elliot was not as like a as like a road underdog. He was not really on my radar at all. How much did he? Yeah, seven seven. Yeah, he was seventy seven hundred. And okay. I so like Connor, like Elliot was a volume play for me. I thought Elliot would see close to thirty touches today if if Dallas had any semblance of, semblance of offense, any yeah. semblance. And with Dallas being total you know, ass on offense, he still saw 17.6 points out of that. So, I mean, he had 17 rushes and a, uh, three receptions. So, if they have a better game script and they can stay on the field a little bit, he's probably, you know, flirting with 30 touches. Yeah, Elliot's – I mean, Elliot's always a good volume play. So, I didn't I – was, I, was I was either up to, like, Camara or I was down to that, like, six grand and then the Connor range down there. So, I, I didn't really get to – get to Elliot where I went uh the fishy thing that I did number one I played Andy Dalton in cash which was just I mean just I'm beside myself this is such a bad choice you guys like Andy Dalton is a blunderer and a fool he's like he's like Cobra Commander you know what I mean like I don't know why I played Andy Dalton it was just like it worked with the the money and I think that's a bad reason to do it you know like I liked I Breeze and Rivers were the two guys I really wanted in cash. And I just didn't get there because I don't prioritize quarterback. Um, and I'm just a straight fish for playing Andy Dalton. He's just so bad and such a bad decision to ever play him ever. Uh, at running back, I went Connor, Kamara, and McCaffrey just like Nate. Uh, I went Keenan Allen, Keelan Cole, and A.J. Green at receiver. 
Jack Doyle and Patriots defense. So uh, a bunch of smashing went on, but that Andy Dalton play is just like, just, I mean, go ahead and rip me. It's just really bad. I'm really did concerned we, about that Keelan Cole pick. I was going to say, we did, that might have been the one thing that I felt. Not I mean, that great know. about, huh? Yeah, at 3.8, I felt like I kind of had to, but only seeing four targets. DD out-targeted him, um, wasn't smashing, and I don't know, it just didn't look – I felt pretty fishy about that one. I felt It like smelled I funny all chalk. week long to me. I felt <laughs> like I got some bad chalk there. I'm not gonna yeah, that is 100% bad chalk. And if you look at Jacksonville's, like, target share, what they did in this game, it was kind of what a reasonable person would expect. Nobody took the lead in that game. It was just, like, all spread out. Like, TJ Yeldon led the team with seven targets. And all the receivers were like three to six. It was just like a hodgepodge. Like, of course, any reasonable person would expect. Like, oh, no, Cole's going to be like the number one receiver. Like, nah, dude. Yeah, Moncrief was worked in way more than I was expecting. Uh, Moncrief saw five targets and had um, n- almost 100 air yards. He had 99 air yards. Didi, um, six targets for 55 air yards. And then Yeldon had seven targets. So Keelan was like, not even number one, not number two, not number three. He was like the fourth receiver. Yeah. You know? So I, I did feel kind of fishy. He, he was that guy that I played in cash and like didn't put in any tournament lineup. Cause I, cause, and, and when you do that, you know, it's bad chalk. Cause you're like, dude, everyone's yeah. going to play Keelan Cole. I'm like, that's stupid. I'm not playing that in tournaments. I'm trying to win. Uh, but in cash, it's like, well, you know, there's some value there and you know, it's cool. So uh, yeah. So, so, Josh, you avoided that bad chalk. So, that was, that was a shrewd move. I opted for bad chalk at running back instead. <laughs> Do you know who, who the sharp play would have been that okay. wasn't Keelan Cole, the chief wide receiver? <laughs> Kenny Stills. Deshaun Jackson, probably. John Ross? Bruce, I, Bruce Ellington. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, Bruce no. Ellington. Yeah. I, as soon Sammy, as, I want to say I, – I need to say this. I honestly go, do. Go I ahead, said, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not – I said this before noon, and I actually believed it now, even after Locke. I think Bruce Ellington, with Will Fuller being out, I think we could have predicted Bruce Ellington for as safe of a target share as Keelan Cole. And I think we were proven – I mean, he saw way more, and he at least has, like, upside in his, in his profile. So, he, has an, he has an actual good quarterback throwing to him. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't – I just – yeah, and I felt like – Bruce Ellington, I think, would have been, was if if I think if scenarios were the exact same and Keelan Cole and Bruce Ellington had the exact same amount of time to stew in fantasy Twitter mindset for the last three weeks, I think they would have had similar ownerships. The issue is the Will Fuller or the Bruce Ellington thing didn't really become a play until 10 a.m. this morning with Will Fuller being inactive. And therefore uh, the talk wasn't there for us to analyze it. This, this actually might be a good take, Nate. And it might be a good take for, for here's, here's the thing about Jacksonville. Jacksonville makes no bones about who they are. They want to be uh, we're going to get ahead of you and we're going to jam the ball down your throat kind of team. They do not want to pass the ball at all. Bortles is a blunderer and a fool. And so if they have positive game script, dude, there's not going to be any targets going around. They're not going to air the ball out. They're not going to do any of that. They're going to do some rollouts and throw the ball to the flat and then give it to Fournette. And that's what they're going to do. And they were ahead in this game, and that's exactly what happened. None of their receiving options smashed. And uh, meanwhile, like Houston rated to be down in that game against the Patriots. They're going to air it out. Belichick is going to try to double DeAndre Hopkins. 
and it's going to leave room for the other targets. I'm, I'm actually sold on this take now, the more I think about it. Yeah, I just think Houston, like when you look at teams that want to want to pass the ball, Houston versus, uh, you know, Jacksonville in this. We know that if game script does ever go Jacksonville's way, what are they going to do? They're going to run it down the field with Leonard Fournette. So I think trying to get a cheap wide receiver, look at a team that's going to be throwing the ball, look at a team that's going to air it out, look at a team that has quarterback with talent. And I think that was where I made my mistake with Keelan Cole. And I just – I've sat on it for two – I mean, we've been talking about him as a play for weeks, you know. I know. I know. So, I think it was just yeah. – groupthink is so strong in week one that um, – Yeah, yeah it's bad. It's bad. Josh, talk to me a little bit about your thought process when you were selecting receivers because you really hit on the receivers. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm not sold on your running back plays, but your receiver plays were all really sharp. Not only did you play good guys, but you uh, avoided the bad ones, unlike myself and Nate. Yeah, so, I mean, at wide receiver, like running back, I'm looking for volume, and I'm looking for games that I think can, you know, both teams can hit upper 20s into the 30-point range. And, you know, KC and and the Chargers, to me, that was kind of an easy button for offense. We felt that game was just going to go ham, and it ended up going ham in a good way. If it goes ham, Keenan Allen's going to hit because he's probably going to see about a dozen targets. So, well, and, I, and, and I was hearing a bunch of stuff like Kansas City's secondary is really bad, but their one good cornerback is Fuller, who's their slot corner, you know, rated high by PFF, et cetera, et cetera. And that was not even close to sufficient enough to, to get me off of Keenan Allen. Uh, I agree with that 100%. Keenan gets so much volume. Like you said, that game was supposed to go big. A lot of sharp people stayed away from Keenan Allen. Why do you agree with that, and why do you think that was that was not a good take? Well, it's, uh, Keenan Allen's like a legitimately really good receiver. And oh, yeah. even if they put Fuller on him in the slot, Keenan Allen's going to get his share. He's going to beat Fuller plenty of times. And yeah. we've seen him do it. He's beaten good cornerbacks before. So – you know, to say that that scheme is going to defeat, defeat Keenan Allen, I think that's that, that's a fallacy. He's probably and the I, best route runner in the league. It's like him I, and Antonio Brown are neck and neck for best best route runner. I yeah, I, I think he's definitely in the conversation. And I don't know, it's just Philip Rivers can find dudes. I, I you know, he's a shot putter, but he seems to be able to stick the ball in places where his guys can get it. And Keenan Allen's a guy that can go fight for the ball and get it if he needs it. And, you know, we saw that on the touchdown that he scored today was just, you know, it was a, it was an awesome score and Keenan Allen had to go get the ball a bit and he did. And he won, you know, he won that battle. And it, anytime I think that, that the Chargers are going to be in an offensive, you know, slugfest, I think you have to be on Keenan Allen. And here's, here's the thing the Kansas city chiefs, in my opinion, are going to be the number one team to target this year, not just because their defense is bad, but also because their offense is so good. That's just going to be – that's going to be like the New Orleans Saints. You know what I mean? They're going to be the Saints of, you know, three years ago in the Superdome or the Saints of today, <laughs> if you were, right, where they yeah. have enough offense to go back and forth with you. You can't just, like, get ahead of them and run it out. Like, that's going to be a team that, that you want to have shares of and shares against. I think it's Casey and Pittsburgh next week in Pittsburgh, I, I want to say, and that's just like, that's going to be the chalk game. I know that. That's like, I can't, I cannot wait to roster Juju. I can't. Oh wait. yeah. I mean, oh. he's to me, he's, he's the dude. You think he's, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we know Antonio's going to eat, right? Because yeah. Keenan Allen ate today. So we know the stud wide receiver is going to eat. We also know that Pittsburgh's probably going to zip the ball around 50 times. And you can't get 50 targets to Antonio Brown. Somebody else has to get some targets. I, I think Juju's a lock, dude. 
I like, I like Juju a lot. I, I think of Juju, especially like there's people out there, you know, you play DFS, you play seasonal. A lot of people play dynasty. We've seen this in the past with like, uh, with like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt where Isaac Bruce was the man. And then Torrey Holt was like the young buck. And like, as he got a little older, I mean, he was the best receiver in the league for a couple of years. And as he got older, Torrey Holt ascended into that role. We saw it with uh, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, right? And I think we'll see that with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster coming up in the next couple of years here too. And Juju's already, I mean, today at 119 yards. Like, he's a beast. He is a beast already. He's 21. It's, yeah. in, it's just incredible. Yeah. Love Juju. So you played Doyle at tight end. I did. Right. I also played Doyle at tight end. Nate, you did not play Doyle at tight end. I did not. You played an actual good tight end. You played, played a guy. The best tight end. His you name. played the best tight end. How on a scale of like of like one to I don't know a, a Marlin are we for not playing Gronk in cash? How bad was that really? Well, I mean, I I would say this. I would say. Gronk probably hasn't been a must play in cash in a couple of years. Like we haven't seen Gronk healthy in a while. Um, Gronk has not been the main target for Brady like this in a while where this week just shaped up where, I mean, looking at this late, I kind of just said, I think Gronk's like a lock. Like even if from a projection standpoint, it might not show that like, I just, it, it felt like a lock Gronk spot. And mostly that's because there was no Edelman. Mostly it was because this is the first season that we've really seen a healthy Gronk. And, I thought Brady was going to go to him heavy. And obviously Hogan um, got, I think from a projection standpoint, if it, I, I feel like most uh, sites were very high on Hogan in this spot. Um, and I think some of that just is over is overrating Hogan's target share because of the fact that we haven't seen a healthy Gronk from last year. And I'm going to play so much Hogan next week. You have no idea. He's going to the end of the day. At the end of the day though, like Gronk is Brady's, go to like you know when he's healthy when he's there I mean he's going to go to him so um Um, I think without Edelman without I mean the running back he's playing Jacksonville I'm out I was gonna say I wouldn't do that if I were you yeah I'm out (laughs) I'm out never mind rescind week three that'd be your chance to jump on Um, all right two bad weeks we I'm calling it now week three Chris Hogan smash here's here's the thing about Doyle and and I want to get your take on this too Josh it wasn't that Doyle was a bad play. It was just that Gronk was the play. It, but I'm not quite sure. And, and the reason is this. My justification for playing Doyle is that he, I mean, last year he saw a 24% target share in, in the, the Colts offense. And that was tied with Travis Kelsey for the highest of all tight ends. And he's 3.6. And I said, okay, I know Ebron's there now. I know that he might take some looks from Doyle. But at the end of the day, you're still getting that kind of volume for 3.6, even if it's, a dis- if, if, if it's less volume. Even if it's three quarters of the volume, I still think that's great for 3.6. And instead, I, I believe that Ebron kind of like out-targeted him in this game. I could be wrong because I didn't see how the, how the end finished up. But no, Doyle no. got the work. Doyle got plenty of work. Doyle got 10 targets, seven receptions. Did he get 10? Yeah, he got Doyle. 10 targets. Oh, and he had, that's not he had, fish. No, that's yeah, cool. I, I don't think Doyle was fish. What, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I just think Gronk was the play. Yeah. yeah. I, I, really had Gronk in, I had Gronk in all week long, all week long, and then I pivoted this morning and just you know, rebuilt my lineup a little bit so I could get four receivers in it and get that fourth guy in at the flex. 
But I agree. The, the one thing narrative driven for me about Gronk is when he's 6,900 bucks, you play him. You just have to, you just have to play him. I, mean, cause he, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's the weirdest thing is when they price him at 6,900, he smashes. Those, I, I want to I see some Rotoviz splits in and out of split 6,900 and not. I could pull those numbers. Please do. I'll bet it. I'll bet we'll it. Have to do it. I'll, I'll have to tweet about that. I'll bet yeah, it. I this. Doyle was awesome, dude. 3,600. I mean, you don't get a tight end that gets his volume for that price. You just yeah. don't. Yeah. And I think that going forward, I think he and Ebron are both going to be viable at tight end. And you could probably, you know, pick one or the other every week. And if you want the volume, you go with Doyle. And if you want the upside, you take Ebron. It was like business as usual for Indianapolis. It's like cult, uh, luck never missed a beat. And I'm sure if we go and look at his dot, I'm sure it was quite a bit lower uh, than it usually is. I watched some of the game, and it seemed to be a lot of short stuff. Tons of short stuff to, like, Ryan Grant and Doyle and Naheem Hines, et cetera. But at the end of the day, he still threw the ball 53 times, Andrew Luck did. They got 53 targets. Like, that's an obscene amount. Yeah, Andrew's Luck ate out. He was the third lowest on the week behind only uh, Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. And so – Oh, my God. What a disgusting game. You definitely <laughs> saw a very low A dot from Andrew Luck, which I wait, wait, changes. he was below Sam Bradford. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Below Sam Bradford, below Joe Flacco, below Cam Newton. I mean, he was yeah. Oh wow, he's below the Bradford line. That we we have some concerns here. So the thing with Luck, like for me, that I'm going to look at next week is I'm not going to roster him because I'm, I'm scared, and I want to watch him next week to see how he performs, because he, he threw 53 passes today. And a guy coming off the shoulder rehab that he came off of for you know, being out a year and a half, I want to see how workload affects him next week before I even think about taking him going forward, yeah. regardless of what his price is. I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you kind of – the other thing about Luck is that you know, you, one of the big parts about his game has been his rushing. And I don't know if you guys watch any of this game, but he only, he only took off one time. And I don't know if that's a schematic thing for Cincy, but that's one of those things where, you know, when you drop back 54 times or 57 times, whatever he did with a couple of sacks, and you only take off rushing once, like that's, that's a little out of character for him usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about the last thing, I guess, uh, team defenses. So I played the Patriots. Josh, what did you play again? I played Cleveland. Okay, you played – Jesus, really? Yes. <laughs> no wonder you're like, well, tell me the justification for <laughs> Greg Williams' defense. <laughs> what was- like, I hate – believe me, I hate Greg Williams. I mean, like, that dude turned down seven jobs to coach the Cleveland Browns' defense. But Is this just – they're, they're cheap and cle- – and They were $2,000. I mean, they needed four points to hit value. They needed four points. They got 16. I mean, I'm walking okay, on easy street right now. Value is a, is a myth. Especially a week like this proves that anything that you look at from a salary based expectation uh, for NFL doesn't work because you're going to have weeks like this where cash scores of 180, you 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 lost money this week. You know yeah, the cash line was ridiculous. The cash line was insane. Next week the cash line could be 85 points. You know, and so I think the idea of in the NFL value is hard because sometimes salaries are all over the place and there's just better plays up and around or below. And I think 
looking at just, well, my guy hit value and I still lost. Well, you can continue to hit value and maybe lose every week, you know? Absolutely right. I agree with that a hundred percent. So the secret reason I'm going to talk to you about, about why I played the Cleveland Browns is because they put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Miles Garrett is a beast. He and is. He is, when I'm, bro. Oh, my God. When, He's a game. When I'm, looking for, when I'm looking for a defense to roster that's cheap, I want one that could put pressure on the passer. Mm-hmm. Because if they can't put pressure on the passer, they're not going to force any errors. And I, I felt like Cleveland could get enough pressure on the Roethlisberger, especially in, in really bad conditions like they played in today, that they could force some errors. And they did. They ended up – I mean, they were plus five on turnovers. Well, and, so, and how many did they get, six or seven? I think they had six turnovers today. I mean, Roethlisberger threw three picks, and there were three fumbles lost. So, yeah. And six. I think Roethlisberger had one or two of those himself. Six turnovers is just like – I'm so tilted as a Steelers fan. Like, this is unbelievable. Up 24 – up 21-7 to seven in the fourth quarter – Roethlisberger throws for 335. Connor runs for 135. Like, how do you even lose this game to the Cleveland Browns? It's just so bad. Or, I mean, tie it, but that's it's a loss. A loss. Just go it's ahead and take loss. it as a loss, yeah. Sammy. I'm. That's a. It's such that an. That was L. such an egregious. Ugh. Oh my god. Like, I mean, it, it, you turn the ball over on every drive. Six turnovers. Six turnovers to the Cleveland Browns. That was actually a sneaky sharp play because Pittsburgh's just always plays down to their level of competition and they always play poorly on the road. It's just like, and they're without Le'Veon Bell and say what, say what you want. Like Connor had a great game, but that is a, a main cog of their offense. And Connor was, he was responsible for one of the turnovers. So, and that was, that was actually like a sneaky sharp play. Nate, what, what did you do at defense? I ended up going to the Patriots and that's just because I thought from a, um, price perspective on DraftKings and considering what I thought they were going to be facing from a pass attempt standpoint for Houston and the overall game script, I thought it was a favorable spot to take a defense. When you can take a defense, it's going to face that many passing attempts. They were six and a half point favorites. Um, you know, I, I knew Houston loves to throw. Same reasons why I was looking at Bruce Ellington is why I'd be looking at that defense. Yeah. yeah. I, I ended up on them. I think there were 2.4 and I mean, when you're looking for defenses, some of the things that you really want is a big home favorite. I mean, just, just to put it really simply, and New England was that. And also, Houston's got a really bad offensive line. That's, that's the, the really weak point in Houston's defense. And it was like, okay, yeah, if they're going to be up and they are going to force Houston to throw, some bad things can happen. And I, I really wanted Baltimore. I also like the Saints a lot, and I'm really glad I didn't get to the Saints because that mm-hmm. would have been a real disaster. Um, but, yeah, I, it would just building the lineup, there were other guys I wanted. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go cheap. Here we go. And, and they scored I mean, eight points. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, literally, if you just look at defenses and you just click two filters and say, okay, I want a home defense that is, you know, the biggest favorites, and you have Saints at 3.6, Ravens at 3.8, Patriots 2.4, Vikings 3.5. It was like the Patriots just suck out like a sore thumb here. I just thought from a price perspective, they were the play. Even though Ravens and Saints would have been a great play as well. I just paying 1400 extra dollars for defense is always tough for me. Yeah. Well, I'd like to make fun of us some more, but we all did really well in cash. I mean, it was a really high cash line. Obviously, a lot of the chalk went off. 
uh, Camaro went off. Connor went off. You know, the, the receivers did Michael really Thomas. well. Michael Who Thomas. Who was the highest owned player in cash games other than Connor? Um, I actually, I actually don't know. Um, so in the, in the massive $5 double up, Manny Sanders was 46 and a half. God, which not I getting, think is a crazy number. He, he was a good play. I just, I, I wanted him. I just couldn't get to him and I didn't consider him a priority play. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I thought, he was, in the I same, thought he was a good play. Yeah. In the same double up, Jack Doyle was 46 and a half as well. What was Michael? So this is like. 35,000 teams, and they're still 46.5% owned. That's just crazy. What was oh, Mike Thomas, Thomas, he was 25. Wow. Yeah, he was really high, too. I was surprised by that number. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, at the Giants $25, and Chris Hogan, 33%. Yikes. Uh, Gronk was 20. Connor was 56%. Uh, I'm looking for a, a – manu- in the higher stakes, uh, Emmanuel was 40%, so still, still really high. I'm looking for some Michael Thomas here because I know that – 25 seems low. I'm surprised it wasn't higher for him. Yeah. Compared I to- think people were concerned about volume, that, that, that New Orleans would just have to shut down the passing game because they'd be ahead so much. Yeah, I mean, I think more people went Camara. Like, Camara was 55%. More people went Camara than they went with Thomas. Thomas only 22.4% in the giant $25 double-up. Yeah, and I get, you know, what people forget about Michael Thomas is that even when the Saints are ahead, and, you know, we saw it last season, Thomas still got a ton of volume. I mean, he was still seeing 10, 12 targets a game when they were killing people. Yeah. So if they're in any semblance of a competitive game script, you, you can rely, I think, right now on Michael Thomas seeing up to 15 or 16 targets if they need to, you know, if they really need to sling it around like they did today. Yeah. And when you have a god on the other side of the field like Fitzmagic, I mean, that was an easy play. Nate, just stop it. Just stop it. You're, you're, you're tilting me all over again. I don't want to relive this day. Like, this day actually turned out well. I won money and still, like, I feel like I lost. I mean, how- uh, I was going to say, as, as, soon as, as soon as Harvard threw that first touchdown that early in the game, I thought to myself, like, I screwed up. I played the wrong quarterback today. It's just I, I didn't see it. Like, it, it, wasn't, it didn't reveal itself to me like it did to Nate. And uh, kudos to Nate. He, he saw what, what so many people apparently did not see. Yeah, 260 in cash is, is pretty fierce, bro. I got to tell magic. you. Yeah. Um, let's finish this podcast out with – some things that we learned uh, from week one. And I think week one's a little tricky because you don't want to overreact to some things, like take them as gospel just because it's just such a small sample. But at the same time, I mean, you have to like, you have to check stuff out and be like, okay, like this is, this is not what I thought before. And sometimes deciphering those things can be uh, a little difficult. So I, I'd say one thing that really stuck out to me was New Orleans' bad defense. I was really surprised by that. I thought that they made big improvements last year, and they added a couple guys in the offseason too. So I was really surprised to see that their defense was this bad, and I was, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if that'll be the case moving forward. Yeah, I have two takeaways. I, and they're both from the Tennessee um, offense here. I think um, – Corey Davis is, you know, I think there were some questions about exactly what was going to be happening here in this offense. And uh, Corey Davis finished the week eighth in overall weighted opportunity rating here. Um, And I mean, 
those are the numbers that when we talk about not overreacting early in the season, those are the numbers that you can overreact to. It's not the efficiency numbers. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the volume numbers. The opportunity, so if, we go, yeah. if we go through down the list and we look at the opportunity, number one, Julio, two, Odell, AB, Landry, Thielen, AJ Green, Michael Thomas. Then you have Corey Davis sticking right there at number eight. Um, I don't know with 13 targets, you know, um, 112 air yards. This is somebody that I think, you know, depending on what his price tag is and everything, I, I, I think we're going to be able to see some of this volume moving forward. And I think he's going to be solidified as an, as a receiver to look at, especially with the Delaney injury. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Corey Davis moving forward. And then the other note was Deion Lewis was the back to own here. And there was talk all off season between, uh, Lewis and Henry. And I think Lewis, um, based on what we saw here in week one, like there's a very clear direction here that they are going to work to get Lewis the ball. There was scheming. There was plenty of plays. It wasn't just one or two of them that he broke. It was an overall offensive game plan that was written around him. So, um, yeah, those are my two takeaways, both from the same team, but, um, yeah, just some things to know. Right yeah, on. I want to, I want to add a counterpoint on Corey Davis. I have some concerns if they're starting Blaine Gabbert next week. And not well, like, like what? Like what? I mean, just <laughs> can you imagine, right? I actually have the, the only guy, like <laughs> the I've only guy Gabbard. that we could, that we know that can prop up Blaine Gabbard is Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, like that's that's the only dude. So you know, yes. how much of Larry Fitzgerald is Corey Davis? I think, I you know, I think he's probably a reasonable facsimile for a guy in his second year in the pros. But you know, at thirteen targets, he only got six of them. That just means the tar- I mean, probably a lot of the tar- targets were garbage. And we talk about, you know, Nuke last year was the guy that was the king of garbage targets. So he would get, you know, 18 targets a game and catch seven balls. You watch and, your mouth. Hey, <laughs> he won a lot of people a lot of money last year. So if Corey Davis is going to be Nuke Hopkins this year, that's okay. We just have to be prepared for some horrific efficiency if Blaine Garrett's throwing the ball. Horrific efficiency is my middle name. When it comes to NFL wide receivers, I will take the underpriced wait for him to be 9K by the end of the season while we're playing him at 7K, at 6K, all weeks one through eight. We, we call that the Miguel Cabrera. No, we call that the <laughs> new Hopkins. Do you remember week one last year? Week two, week three, week four? Oh, Nick yeah. was clearly the play. Clearly the play. He was like 5'6". 5, 5.9 one, one week. Yeah. yeah. And people are just not playing him. And then finally people are like, oh, wow, these targets are real. Yeah, Seven, and, at the, and at the end of the year, he's the number two wide receiver off the board in season. Yeah, and people are paying 9K for him. And it's like, yep, where were yeah. you guys week five? Yeah. What do you got for takeaways, Josh? Yeah, so takeaways for me right now, um, you know, we talked about this pre-show. Dallas is awful. Oh, my God, are they so bad. yes. And this is a team that I thought would at least be able to come out and run, like, some reasonable offense today against Carolina. Uh, You know, a team they've been able to prep for for months, you know, to get ready for this game for months, and they come out and they laid the nastiest egg on the road. So, it's – I'm going to have a really hard time even rostering Zeke going forward, even though I know he's going to get a ton of volume because if they're not on the field, he can't do anything. Here's the so, thing. They, they have no receivers, zero receivers. They have nothing like Alan Hearns and, you know, Gallup looks like he could be interesting, but like that's it. And their offensive line, which was really, really good is now not even that good. They've had injuries throughout that O line and it's not really like this big strength anymore. And it's like, what, 
what is this team? They're a team without an identity and without good coaching. They're a hashtag bad. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, A couple of teams I have some concerns about that were hyped a lot in the preseason. Number one is the Bears. You know, we saw the Bears tonight. They tried to beat that. I mean, they were very creative with their scheme. But but it appears that their quarterback still needs a little bit of work. And and that's okay. And I I see how Nate feels about this, and I apologize. But, you know, the the truth hurts. Nate, I just want you to know this, that Mitch Trubisky – I likened him to Blake Bortles out of the NFL draft. And I think he's bad, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be good. I'm sorry to tell you this. That's how I feel. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite in that camp. I, I think, I think Trubisky hasn't even been two hours. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I'm I sorry, to too. I need to be a friend to you. And you are and just pouring salt into and a true, it. And a true friend will be honest. A true friend will not sugarcoat things for you. I love you. This is this is out of love. Trubisky's a dog. I'm gonna go cry in the corner. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you know, it's it, this is gonna be the week where we need to diagnose like are our teams really this bad or are our teams really this good and figure out where the middle is on some of these guys and know what to chase and what not to chase. So you know, the Niners obviously the Niners had a bad week. They had a lot of volume. I think they they did some really good stuff, and I think we're definitely got to take a really strong look at George Kittle going George forward. George Kittle, end. son, nine targets. Yeah, so he he had a healthy workload today, and I think that'll probably continue because they're going to see more teams that have pretty stout secondaries, and I think San Francisco's probably just going to need to funnel their offense a little bit through the tight end. You know, and man, probably the other one for me is going to be um, Arizona. You know, like Dallas, they came out and they just stunk it up on offense, and I don't think they're that bad, like versus Dallas, who I think is terrible and bad. The Cardinals, I don't think, are that bad, but they showed out badly today. They looked – I don't know if it was under, uh, underprepared, but they just, they just didn't have it today. Washington came out and just overwhelmed them as much as Alex Smith can overwhelm you. And I, it'll be interesting to see what they do next week. And I think if they come out really slow out of the gates again next week, you're going to start seeing the people rattling their sabers for Josh Rosen pretty quick. I feel that. I, I also think a really interesting takeaway from this slate was Joe Mixon. Uh, if you look at the percentage of uh, running back touches, James Conner had 100% of his team's running back touches. Ezekiel Elliott was number two at 94.4, and Joe Mixon was number three, 91.7%. And so we're talking about, okay, they, they have Gio Bernard, who's been a good pro, and he's a nice third down back, but they really gave the, a legit bell cow role to Joe Mixon, and he is good. And he ended up getting, what, 20, 22 touches, but 17 yeah. rushes and seven targets. I mean, making plays on the ground and through the air, like that's a legit dual threat that, that they gave him. And that's really, if he's going to be underpriced and get that kind of volume moving forward, I'm in. Yeah, I agree with that. He, he, you know, and, and Cincinnati told us that in the preseason when they were playing him. They, they were splitting him out wide. They were throwing him targets. Yeah. And they telegraphed it to us. And, you know, he was 6,500, I think, today. And that was a reasonable price, I think, looking back at the workload. So going forward, if he gets bumped up in the sevens, I think he's going to be in the conversation with the other guys getting plenty of workload. Yeah. Uh, last, last thing, my other takeaway, we should – uh, it was the uh, was the efficiency regression guys, Alvin Kamara and Tyree Kill, 
just immediately put all that stuff to bed and in a, in a disgusting way that they did this. And I, I just, I mean, Nate, you're a numbers guy. How do you like reconcile that sort of stuff? Were you off these guys going into seasonal? Uh, are you off them in general? I know you were big on Camara today with Ingram out. What do you kind of think of that just overall moving forward? No, I mean, I don't think that what Kamara did today was actually like something that was crazy above expectation. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the reality is he saw 12 freaking targets. He saw, um, you know, 26.7% of his team's target share. Um, this is, this is insane. When you have a weighted opportunity rating above 50 for a running back, that's volume. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fade that. Um, obviously he's an efficient player with that volume. And so when Ingram comes back, if he's still priced at what he is and he gets half of the volume, that's when I will jump off that train. Um, but I think we're going to have to see. And I mean, in Kansas city, you know, Tyreek saw, you know, what 73% weighted opportunity rating. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking the same situations when we were talking about fading these guys last year when, you know, Tyreek would have three targets and two of them would go for 75-yard touchdowns. I mean, yeah, he, had, he had eight targets on 27 yeah. throws for Mahomes. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't the same situation. If you're trying to fade these guys now because you think regression is coming, it's, I mean, it might be coming, but it's, it's not um, – the volume is there to at least help sustain some of it. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to understand that coaches see how good these guys did last year, and they're like, I should give that guy the ball more. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely fallacy to think that they will just continue to see the same volume they've always seen, right? Yeah, if, if Tyreek Hill gets eight targets a game, I mean, it's going to be bad if you don't play him. Yeah, bro. I, I mean, I had 0% today, and I feel yeah. pretty fishy about that, I'll be honest. So, all right, boys, well, well fun week one for us, huh? Yeah, it was. It's good to have NFL back. It's yeah. good to have NFL back. It's beautiful. I'm so happy. I am too. I, and I'm pumped. You know, they should do two Monday night games every week. I don't know why they don't do this every week. It's such More a island game. games, the better. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. But, boys, this was fun. Hopefully the rest of this year is as profitable and good as week one. Uh, we know it won't be. There will be some ups and downs. But this was a good start for everybody. Good start for the Gil cast. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy Reed FI. You can follow Nate on Twitter at Nate Noling. And you can follow Josh on Twitter at Fantasy ADHD. For Josh and Nate, I'm Sammy. Take care, you guys. This has been the Go, Go Cast for week one.